Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Lori Beth Aldridge. She is coming at us all the way from Maui. And we have just been sitting here chatting about her beautiful home and her crazy life. And so I'm excited to dive into so many things with Lori. We're going to talk about homeschooling. I know for some of us, uh, we've been already back at school, whatever that looks like for a while now. And some have just started school. And even for those of us who have kids who've gone back to school, we don't know if our kids are going to be back to school for the whole year. And so I think Lori's got some great advice for us. Now, when I first came across Lori, I was like, how has she been homeschooling for 10 years when her oldest is six? And she's going to tell us a little bit about that fascinating story uh, and so much more. So Lori, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Aloha. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to meet you. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I live on the Island of Maui um, with my husband and our three girls who are right now six, five, and three. We also have a fourth child who lives with us right now. Who's two and a half really bringing the toddler energy to the mix. It's very exciting times at our house. We um, have a renovation business. My husband and I, I do the design work and he makes it come to life. It's really a nice simpatico relationship. It also allows me to work from home and have a really flexible schedule um, we have miniature goats and fancy chickens and um, just have a great time um, because our life is very full, but we fill it with things that um, really matter to us. And homeschool is actually one of those things that really matter. Um, but yeah, I have been homeschooling for a really long time because I actually worked as a personal assistant to an international rock star for almost 10 years. And when we would travel on the road and go on tour, I homeschooled their children part-time. So the kids were part-time in school and then part-time on the road with us. And it just made sense because for, for me to do it rather than bring in a tutor or bring in another, you know, teacher expert, you know, air quotes, um, to do it because I was capable of doing it. And it was my degrees that I have that made me feel capable of it. My understanding of child development, my bachelor's degrees in communication for the child, my master's degrees are in children's literature and creative writing for children. But I very quickly learned that my degrees had nothing to do with homeschool, nothing to do with my ability to teach their children or my children, but it was like that boost I had at the beginning that gave me the confidence to even pursue it or suggest that I school somebody else's children in the first place. So that's how I got started in homeschool. Um, we, when we were on the road, how I decided that I wanted to homeschool my own children before I was even engaged to my husband. I mean, granted, we got engaged like six weeks later, but we were not engaged. <laughs> we were, I was not married. I did not have children, but I knew that I wanted all of these things and I knew I wanted them with Chris. 
But when we were in Europe and I was standing on the stage of the Colosseum in Rome with these children, and this was our homeschool experience, and this is what we were learning about, and we'd read about it in books and drawn about it and, and watched movies about it and done all these things, and then we were standing there in person, and I was looking out at all the seats, and I just had this overwhelming moment of, that's it, this is it. This is what education is about. This is what life is about. And I want this for my own children one day. And I very resolutely stood there and decided without talking to my then boyfriend about it, <laughs> that I was gonna homeschool my children too. And that is the path that I wanted to take for our family. And my <laughs> boyfriend quickly turned fiance, quickly turned husband, quickly turned father of my children. This was like, this was just like the snowball starting to roll down the hill and it rolled very quickly for us. But we had this idea in mind and I explained it to him and he heard me. And so we kind of knew from the beginning that this was the path that we wanted to take and we wanted to spend time with our children. I don't know if it's because, you know, we're older parents too, you know, and we had our adventures. And so we didn't feel like we wanted to take a traditional path. Neither one of us are traditional. We kind of opt out of a lot of uh, cultural messages and norms and whatnot by working for ourselves as entrepreneurs and homeschooling our kids. But it's in that that we found a lot of peace um, for our family and for ourselves as individuals. Well, I love that. I love that um, you, first of all, you paint a really beautiful picture of homeschooling because I'm imagining sitting uh, or being in the Coliseum as well. Um, and I love that you basically what you've done there is you've just said, hey, this is what it could be, right? And I think yes. for so many of us, um, regardless of where we're at right now in the fall, any of us listening who uh, have kids, we were thrust into this thing that maybe wasn't our dream or our desire. And I love what you've basically said is that it doesn't have to look like brick and mortar school come to your house. And I realize, um, I realize for all the women listening, um, everybody has a different experience based on what teachers have given you, right? So even as I chatted with friends over the summer, some said their, um, their kid's teacher had them meeting on certain uh, video calls at certain times of the day, or they had to show up at a certain time, just like it was school. And so I appreciate that those things have been, have been pressures that parents have faced um, some of those things. Some, some teachers were very intense with their assignments um, and others gave a little bit more leeway. So I understand we're all coming at things from a very different place. Um, but really what you're saying is that it doesn't have to look that way. And there are certain things we can do within reason uh, to be able to make it a great experience for our kids and a great experience for us. And so um, I just love, I just love that picture of even that idea, that dream of what would this sort of look like? Yeah. I love what you just said of having that visual and I guess I never thought of it that way until really just now of, yeah, I'm fortunate. I feel very fortunate that that was my vision of what homeschool was at the beginning. I did have a little bit of um, what Julie Bogart refers to as the ghost of public school past, <laughs> where I thought that homeschool looked like me hovering over the children as they refused to do their worksheets and me getting irritated and yelling at them and being like, just do your work so we can go play. And 
that was, is not what education is about. And that's not what homeschool really truly is about. We can create that. We can try to recreate the public school in our classrooms. And, and my heart goes out to people who are at the mercy of other people's schedules in their own home. Like to me, that would seem like a big frustrating um, piece. And I think it wouldn't seem as magical if I was being told what to do and when to do it all the time as if you know, and I'm sure that's not the way it is for a lot of teachers. I have tons of teacher friends, um, and I know that they're trying to make it as engaging and flexible as possible. Um, but you're right, gosh, so many individual personalities of teachers, um, grade level requirements, you know, um, bless the people who are at the testing years, you know, where uh, are we even doing the tests? Are we doing it? Are we not? Are they useful? Are they not? And like, there's this big education reframe that's happening that's starting to get a little uncomfortable, if you will, because we're all trying to figure out what education at home looks like. And then it almost seems like there's three different routes, honestly, of like the mix um, where your kid is like either in school or in school part-time and then learning at home part-time, or there's the full-on virtual learning where you're still at the mercy of the curriculum that's being shown to you. And then there is the option of homeschooling, which is um, much more free. I'm not sure if it's different in Canada or not, but there is just this different freedom where you are choosing your own curriculum and choosing your own schedule with homeschool. And um, I will say that I don't think that one is necessarily better than the other, but I, I have heard a lot of parents who are frustrated and saying that the um, learning at home isn't working. I guess I would just want them to know that full on homeschooling where you just opt out of that school system and just say, you know what, actually, we're going to try it our own way this, this year. That is an option. So if like the schedules and stuff aren't working, choosing that full on homeschool option could bring a lot of the freedom and the fun into it too. Um, Cause the Coliseum definitely wouldn't have been as fun if I was required to be on a zoom call at 7am, you know, or otherwise my kid would be counted absent. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I really appreciate that. And so I want to even encourage uh, the mom who feels like she doesn't have a lot of control, depending on what their um, teachers are requiring, just to step back for a minute and say, where, where do you have control? And again, it depends on the ages of your kids. I know when we first um, found out we weren't going back to school, um, the teachers were given a certain amount of time to kind of get organized, which I also being a teacher really appreciate. Um, but I actually loved that part of the homeschooling more than when I had the assignments from the teachers because I felt like, again, my kids are pretty young. Um, one was in grade three, one was in kindergarten. And I kind of had a sense of what their strengths were and what we needed to do. And so it was very simple. And again, you know, we're in the kitchen baking. Okay, well, you get to practice your reading. You get to practice your math. All of those life things that it's like, this is actually enjoyable. And we can spend an hour or two hours doing this. Um, we're not in a rush to go anywhere. And so um, I think a big part of it really is giving yourself permission um, and finding out those rhythms that work for your kids and work for you. And I know for a lot of parents, they're still trying to figure out their own work, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but what, what would you say just in terms of rhythms for people? How can people find some rhythms? Oh, 
it's very tempting right now <laughs> to want to copy somebody else's schedule. You know, what works for you? I'm going to try to copy your color-coded calendar um, and see if it works for us. Now, I will say I'm a Virgo <laughs> and I love color-coded calendars. I have the multiple pens, the whole jar of colorful erasable pens right next to me. Um, and I write in it and I put it all together and I have this schedule of ideally a day would be, you know, eight to nine, we enjoy breakfast and a slow wake up and reading together and nine to 10, we are sitting down enjoying our workbooks and 10 to 11, we're playing. And then I call the children in for lunch. <laughs> like, I, I wish it was like that, but it's kind of not. Um, and I could borrow that kind of schedule from somebody else um, if I wanted to, but just know that most schedules, most boxes, and you probably know this as a teacher too, you have the well-intended list of things to do. And it's probably double the size of what's actually possible because yeah. we have high hopes. <laughs> and we, we, we're assuming that, um, you know, everyone's going to come to the table feeling well, feeling well rested, eating, you know, not being energetic when we want them to sit down or not wanting to be outside, when, you know, when we ask them to go outside is probably more of the scenario that's going to happen rather than sticking to the schedule. So I do tend to just leave all schedules to the wayside. I listen to other people's schedules and I don't call them schedules. I call them like intentions. You know, what's my intention for the day? You know, we want to get some schoolwork done. We want to enjoy each other. We want to connect. We want to go outside together. We want to eat together. I want to work. <laughs> and so these are our intentions for the day. And we're just going to try to find places to plug them in, in what already exists in the natural rhythm of the day. So a rhythm is like waking up, breakfast, lunch, dinner, going to sleep is like the bare bones of our rhythm. Um, so I don't have to try to design a schedule when one already kind of exists organically for all of us. You're not going to eat breakfast before you wake up, you know, <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> but I just use those bare bones and then plug it in from there. So I work in the mornings. Um, I wake up early before the kids so I can have hot coffee. Uh, it was a discipline that I had to teach myself how to do. But if I start off that day with me time and doing something for me, whether that be creating or doing my work or checking off my to-do list or reading a book or studying something for myself, if I get that time first thing in the morning, I'm not searching for it for the rest of the day. And if I miss that or oversleep or feel like, oh shoot, I was supposed to send out that email or I was supposed to write this piece and it doesn't happen in the morning, the rest of the day, I feel like I'm fighting to try to fit it into the quote unquote schedule. Yes. So instead I let go of the time slots and just go with the rhythm. So it's, you know, wake up, have my me time, have breakfast, and then see where we're going from there. Cause some days with our business, our renovation business, the to-do list is on fire, you know, and I have to take care of it. So I will get to that first some days and some days I won't. So yeah, that's my biggest advice is that flexibility piece. And if you can just like, if you have to put on multiple hats throughout the day, or you feel like you have to put on multiple hats throughout the day or spin different dishes at once in the air, you know, this is the work dish. This is the, the husband dish. This is the kids dish. This is the homeschool dish. This is the, oh my gosh, we probably should do the dishes dish. <laughs> you know, you can't keep them spinning all perfectly at once in the air, like an acrobat. So instead, if you can be flexible and sort of pay attention to the, the dish that's starting to wobble a little bit, 
um, I think that the rhythm will kind of come too, because if your kids feel that connection piece, the, the children dishes wobbling, you know, and they're like, oh shoot, that might fall soon. We should probably do something to connect. And you prioritize that first in, in the rhythm, then the day is going to go a little bit smoother, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I love that you shared, um, if you didn't do the me piece, you're going to search mm-hmm. for it all day. And I think that's actually true when we pay attention to our kids as well, right? Are our kids needing to burn off some energy right at the beginning of the day? Well, then maybe you start mm-hmm. off the day um, with uh, a walk outside or a bike ride or something, and then you sit down and get some work done. Or maybe your kids are just kind of like slowly waking up and reading is the best thing to start their day. And so really, I think paying attention to what are the things your kids need and kind of ebbing and flowing with that as well. Otherwise they will also be searching for that thing all day long. And it's going to be that thing yes. where you're kind of butting heads instead of, you know, figuring out that flow. So I love what you said. There's paying attention to other people's schedules and ideas and then um, figuring out your own sort of thing. I love that. Uh, tell me a little bit about time blocking and how that's worked for you. Oh, time blocking is it for me. Um, it's so funny because Ah, I call it time blocking. So it makes sense to people. You know, if you talk about schedules and you talk about time blocking, it makes sense to people. If you talk about rhythm and ebb and flow and then um, attending to things as they come up, it's so obscure. It's really hard to wrap your head around. But what you describe is actually my time block for, for sure. So I have my list of things that I need to touch base with every single day. So it's working, it's me time, it's homeschool, it's working on the renovation business, it's it's rest, rest, rest is absolutely a time block that's in there. And making it something on my to-do list um, years ago made it so that I didn't feel guilty about it anymore. So it's like, sorry, rest has to happen because, you know, we have to have both, you know, work hard, play hard, rest hard (laughs) is something that our family does. Um, So I just try to, hmm, how do I, I, it's hard to show you without the visual of a schedule. (laughs) Just if I were to take a block of, you know, homeschool, let's say, and I try to work that into my day, I call it time blocking because that means that at that moment in time, I'm not paying attention to anything else. My energy and focus is on homeschooling and which translates into connecting with my kids mostly more than checking to-do list uh, boxes. It's connecting with my kids and igniting their curiosity and their love of learning and sort of following their lead a lot in that So we still get the curriculum done. We still do things in that homeschool time block, wherever that shows up. And again, it's very flexible, like you mentioned. So if my girls are playing really peacefully in the morning and having this huge imagination game, but my schedule technically says it's time to sit down and do worksheets, we are not doing those worksheets because them getting along and being together and playing make-believe is learning. And so I have learned to acknowledge that. So then I could, in that sense, that could be their rest time, that could be their play time, that could be their homeschool time. So then I can kind of label the sections of our day with all the needs that need to be met, you know, meal time, all of that. So I think of time blocking not so much as like the color coding in the calendar, but okay, we have all these needs that need to be met and where am I gonna plug them into the day in a place that makes sense for us energetically, 
how we're feeling, and whether or not my work to-do lists are on fire. <laughs> okay, I love it. Now, you did mention something there that I want to go back to, and that is rest. And so I know this is a huge thing that moms struggle with, giving themselves permission, and even just knowing, I think knowing how to rest. Um, for a lot of moms, I think it's, it's okay, maybe I have some kid-free time, what do I do with it? So how do you um, find the rest and plug it in, and, and what do you do to rest? Mm. I tune in to people who talk about rest, people like Kate Northrup, you know, do less her whole philosophy, people like Kelly Brogan, people like, oh gosh, there's just so many who talk about the importance of rest. And so I, my mind is really busy and I feel like I always need some sort of pacifier going on, honestly. So like, even when I'm resting, sometimes I want to be listening to an audiobook, or I want to be reading a physical book, or I want to be writing in a journal. I want to be doing something. So I, during those times when I feel like I need a voice in my ear, that's positive and, and allowing my mind to rest, I'll turn on people like Kate Northrup, you know, who, who talks about rest so that I constantly have that message in my ear, kind of validating that for me. And it sort of like unpacks it a little bit at a time. Um, I also take rest time every day by taking care of our miniature homestead, you know, that's going on here. Right. So I'll go out and I don't have an irrigation system on purpose so that I have to go out and hand water all the plants. And I could see that as a chore or I could see it as some me time because I planted all these plants that I love and I'm nurturing them. And I'm literally every single day watching the results of my dedication to these plants. And it's thrilling to me as, a, as an outdoor person and a farm girl, but it's also my time. I call it water and worship where I turn on my worship music and listen to that while I'm watering. And it's just like, so filling, it fills my cup. So yeah. that also involves getting to know myself too, right? Um, not listening to the cultural messages of like self-care looks like a bubble bath. Self-care looks like getting your nails done. Those two things do fill my cup for sure, but it's not me failing at self-care and rest if I don't do those things or if I do those things, you know, because they're, you know, quote unquote cliche or whatever. No, nothing is cliche. Nothing is right. Nothing is wrong. You have to figure out what fills your cup. For me, it's studying things listening to audiobooks, delving in and learning new things. Like last year, I wanted to learn how to make sourdough. And I know that's real trendy too, yep. but I wanted to learn. <laughs> so I jumped on that train and, and learned and, and failed and succeeded at some things. I'm no bread for me, just biscuits. I can master the biscuits, <laughs> the bread. I, did, I oh. didn't even attempt. I was like, you know what? I'll just let other people do that. Um, but that's really, part of my rest. Honestly, okay. learning those yeah. new things is, is part of my rest. And so I just make sure that I have time outside, yeah. that I sit down. And at first, to be totally honest, all of my rest was just me telling myself that it was okay for me to be sitting down and reading a book and having a cup of coffee. Yeah, totally. I cried over it. I like turned it into this big dramatic thing of, I need to be doing something. What am I doing? It's like, well, why do we have the couch if we're not going to sit on it? Yeah. You know, why do we have the outdoor bench if we're never going to sit on it? You know, why do we talk ourselves out of going on a beautiful walk in our neighborhood? Because we could be, should be, would be doing something else. And if we, for me, it was honestly almost an entire year of unpacking that for myself and showing up. So now it's second nature. And if I sit down to a cup of coffee after lunch and reading a book, 
I can totally justify it. I'm modeling reading for my children. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, I, I really appreciate um, both that you use the example of, you know that watering those plants is actually life-giving for you. Now, I would do anything for an irrigation system because watering plants is not life-giving for me. Um, I mean, maybe it is. I just never do it. And so I let, I let everything die. But, um, but it's, some of it is actually figuring out what are those things that are life-giving. And rest, people often just assume means I'm vegging on the couch and I'm watching Netflix or scrolling social media or things that actually maybe in the end aren't really life-giving, but we haven't spent the time researching and figuring out what it is. And then the other thing you shared is you gave yourself permission. And I'm very similar in that it probably took me a solid year to unlearn um, my, my habits of productivity. And especially on, um, for a long season, my husband would be um, out most evenings and traveling a lot of weekends. And so when he was home, my idea was now we need to seize this moment. You're home. Let's be productive. And I would create these to-do lists of things that we didn't really have to do, but I just felt this inner drive of like, we need to get stuff done. And even, you know, again, the kid-free time, I often would do these errands. I was always doing yes. errands, shopping yes. and doing things that didn't really need to get done. And so I have found in learning to rest well, I'm actually more productive. My house 100%. is actually cleaner because uh, I have the energy and I'm not digging from this really empty place. And so um, I love that you even just shared that it took you about a year because for so many of us, we assume we're just not the kind of people who can do something, but a lot of things just take time. And I even said to my husband recently, you know, uh, I actually really had to fail. I had a two hour window. I remember very clearly where I was going to go have some quality me time, maybe go to a coffee shop or a walk. I'm not sure. But first I had to go to the gap for whatever reason, there was some major sale or something, some bucks I had to spend or something. And I remember being like, I'm going to quickly go and then I'll do my me time. And I wasted my whole time. And I remember standing there thinking, this was this precious time I had. And I'm standing <sighs> in the store for things I don't really need. But you know, the experience of failing taught me so much about the next time I had that kid free time, there was no way I was going to a store. And so in many areas of our life that we're trying to make a change, I would say, be okay with failing, even know that that failure, and even in our kids, as they fail, they're really going to learn so much yes. more. Um, so I love even the concept of letting them fail as they're young with little things, because then they're going to really learn more as they get older. And the, the, opportunity for failure is so much bigger. That's so good. I know exactly the feeling that you were thinking in gap or as you're getting in your car. I know that like my heart almost sank like, oh, oh, we just beat ourselves up or like we have all these shoulds of what like things should look like, you know, it should be looking like this. It should, and our expectations are, are kind of big and rest is really unglamorous done well. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It really is. And it's very basic and you're not doing it wrong. If you choose to go on a walk, you know, you're not doing it wrong. If you, um, choose to sit down and have a cup of coffee and, you know, or read a book or just stare at the pages of a book while you let your mind wander and be like, is this the right thing to do? Is 
the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. You would be in very good company, you know, as we unpack um, the bricks of, of our thoughts about how this is one brick at a time. You're not going to just like pour out the whole bag. It's like one unpacking at a time, one, one thought that we have to kind of reframe. And one of those thoughts that really helped me was just learning to get out of my own way you know, and allowing for that time to rest. I also, I do pray about it too. Um, if all else fails, that's where I come in and I just start praying about it and being like, you know what, I'm supposed to be resting right now. And I apparently need some intervention, some little divine help here on how to rest. You know, if someone could just, I don't know, come in and help me calm my mind. But in that process of praying, that's what you're doing is unpacking things a little faster and uh, asking someone else to help you unpack it too. Yeah. And to me, that has really super, super helped on my journey. So if I'm struggling, especially waking up in the morning, like if we're at a busy season and I'm staying up late editing, which I don't like, I do like to do it, but I'd rather be sleeping too. <laughs> so it's a balance, but then wake up early the next morning. If I'm really struggling with, oh, I'm tired. What do I do? If I can just sit down and pray first thing, it's amazing how much more energy I have. And I don't think it's from the coffee. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, as we started this podcast and you're sharing about all the things that you're doing, you're also sharing about, um, even just prioritizing rest. And one of the things I often hear from women is either this list of how busy they are, right? We we're still in this place in the world where people wear their busyness as this badge of honor, or they have to get to a place of exhaustion in order to earn that rest. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to really um, challenge women, especially as, you know, this, I actually found just being around the people I love the most was exhausting, right? Like this season of being home more and being sure. around each other, I noticed, I was like, oh, I think we're actually, my um, four-year-old who had dropped a nap started napping again and I was like I think we're just we're just actually a bit exhausted being on all the time we haven't had these breaks from each other so we were learning hey how do we create that even with um, the kids taking them out one one at a time or doing something so people are getting a little bit of a break and mm -hmm. so um, even as we're talking to moms who are home with their kids what does it look like to create that space for yourself for the kids having rest time, also having little breaks away because absence does make the heart grow fonder. Um, and sometimes even though we're like, I, I love you. Like I, I want to be with my husband, and my kids all the time. Um, and my husband actually just had a work trip where he was away for one night. And um, I was actually kind of excited about it. Even though I'm like, I love you. I want you to be here all the time. I was like, I think it's okay for us just to, you know, have these little moments where now we can come back together and say, you know, how are you doing and really appreciate each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's what the, that's part of the secret sauce in our family, honestly, is we call it honoring the individual. Mm -hmm. So we are a family of five, but we are a family of five individuals with very different needs. And it's unrealistic to think that all five people of different ages with different interests, different body types, different needs, all the things are going to align all the time, even for things like mealtime, honestly. And if, if, if you have toddlers, you know what I'm talking about. It's dinner time. I'm not hungry. Okay. 
<laughs> we're not, and we're all, for all of us to want the same food at every meal. I mean, that is actually nothing short of a miracle that we would all enjoy the same meal at the same time and be hungry at the same time. And, or we don't bring all the same energy to the table. So that's five different personalities, five different internal schedules. And so if we can honor the individual and just say, Hey, I think the six-year-old needs some space today. You know, she needs something to occupy her mind because it's becoming more mature than her sisters. So her sisters are being goofy over here and it's irritating her a little bit because she's going through the seven year change. And so let's set something up for her over here. Or we are brutally honest with our kids too. You know, I need some space right now. I love you so much. And I'm going to ask you to go do something else. If you need ideas about what you would like to do, I can help you, but you can't stand around and complain about it. You can't stand around and complain that there's nothing to do in a house full of toys and activities and games and pencils and papers. You can't complain. And I'm not going to complain right now too. So it's not modeling that for my kids. Like I'm not going to complain about the fact that I'm really annoyed right now, but I am going to let you know very clearly and very vulnerably, I need some space right now. I feel irritated in my body. I feel irritated in my mind and I'm trying to figure out what I need. So I'm going to need you to go over there and figure out what you need. And well, toddlers can't necessarily understand that all the way. My older kids absolutely can at five and six. And I dare say my three-year-old understands too, that mommy needs a minute and that's okay. Yeah. And just sort of normalizing that, that we all have needs at different, at different times. And, and I was thinking about um, prioritizing rest. And that is something that we did because we were very angry, if you will, when we weren't sleeping well um, and we were sleep deprived. And, and when we started prioritizing rest for our whole family, our lives completely changed. So we prioritize rest for our kids too. That doesn't look like forced naps or anything like that, but it does look like us creating downtime in the day for us to fill our own cups and then giving them the tools uh, to do that. Instead of saying, just go find something else to do, giving them things that we, you know, knowing them, we're, we're their parents. We know what they like, what their likes are. We observe them. We can set them up with things that are restful but we also, the most important thing is more than setting things up for them is modeling what rest looks like. My kids learn so much more about rest and even things like reading. So what does this all have to do with homeschool? If they see mommy resting, if they see mommy reading, if they see mommy interested in things, if they see mommy learning new things and failing at them, boy, if we were getting A through F grades for a sourdough class, mommy would have failed. <laughs> But it's good for them to see, you know, that what the most important things are and how we are lifelong learners. And so the more we can model that really, truly on this whole homeschool journey, this digital learning journey, I really sometimes think it's less about our children's education and those to do boxes and checking those boxes, but more about what is we as women, as moms are modeling for our kids because they are absolutely watching all the time. Well, that's so good. And I love that um, as you share about your own need for some space, I hope that gives other women um, that permission as well. And I, I had a conversation with my kids yesterday um, just about how, you know, it, mom actually is a real person who um, needs space while she goes to the bathroom. And so this is a conversation I've kind of had over the years, but I was like, you know what, I actually need to be a little more clear about this because I would go to the bathroom 
And then I would have, you know, there's the pounding on the door, there's the fingers under the door, they're sliding yes. artwork underneath. Yes. And, and asking, I actually had my oldest who really should know better at nine. Um, she was asking me something just as I'd gone to the bathroom. And as I was answering her, she interrupted my response with another request. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a little bit much here. Like, this is just my moment. And so again, I didn't get angry and scream at them. I just said, Hey guys, like, here's what's happening. And, and so I just, I reframed it for her. And I said, if you were going to the bathroom and I started asking you, like one of her jobs around the house to unload the dishwasher. And I was like, Laurel, you need to unload the dishwasher now. I need you to like, and it panicked and also, can I, and I said, how would you feel? And she's like, oh yeah, like I wouldn't um, appreciate that. And, and so same in my bedroom, I have, there's a lock on my door, but um, everybody can pick the lock, including my four-year-old who's been able to do it for a year. They're very proud of themselves. Okay. And so I've just been saying to them, you know what, if mom's door is locked, I've actually locked it for a reason. And so it's not often I'm going to be in there. I'm not hiding out necessarily. Maybe I'm getting dressed. Maybe I just need a minute. It doesn't actually really matter what the thing is. And so I'm not going to use locking my door as a way to escape all the time, right? Like I know the difference between kind of where I'm in a healthy place or, or not, but there needs to be a level of respect there. And I know when they get a bit older, they're going to want that same respect. And mm -hmm. my, my oldest does as well. She knows what she needs and she'll go to her room and, and play Lego. And she doesn't always want her sisters coming in. And so really it is that I love what you shared there about um, each individual person and figuring out how to meet those needs. Like we help them when they're younger to figure out here are some options of, you know, there's Lego, there's cars, there's all of these little things you can do. Um, we can help set them up in that way. Um, but also understanding how do we, how do we give, give each person some respect in their boundaries. And I think if we can really model it, like you said, um, and communicate it health in a really healthy way, then I'm probably not going to get to that place of losing my mind where I'm like slamming the door or going, ah, you know, like, cause we've all been there. Um, but how do we actually set it up in a really, um, healthy way? So I love that. Um, that you've shared about that as well. Hmm. Now, I want to, um, I want to just end, because I know we could talk for a long time here, but uh, <laughs> I want to just end lastly with um, mindset. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, we're all coming from different places, but what would you say we can, how can our mindset uh, really affect us in this season, as well as affect our kids? Well, I think this conversation has been the perfect model of that. You know, people are coming here wanting to know about homeschool. You know, we think that that looks like a certain thing. It looks like checking the to-do list. It looks like our kids not falling behind. That seems to be the big worry right now. And really, truly, first of all, I will address the not falling behind thing. If you think about it, teachers, and I'm sure it's the same in Canada too, they're used to it. They're trained in classroom management. Every single child, whether they have five students or 35 students in their classroom, is coming to the table at a different level of understanding. They are trained to address those different levels of understanding and help the children understand. So they are trained to do that. So if you feel like, oh my gosh, my kids aren't learning anything. They are. They're learning all the time. And if you keep that in mind and honor that, it will start to dissipate those feelings of, I'm afraid I'm not enough. I'm afraid my kids are falling behind. I'm afraid they're not learning. They are. 
they are learning. They're learning by watching you. And so I really do think that the mindset of a successful year has less to do with color-coded schedules and brilliant curriculum and you know all the to-do lists checked perfectly and all of that and more to do with connection, connecting with your kids, meeting their needs, helping them recognize their needs too. Seems like you might need some rest right now. Seems like now would be a good time to go outside. Seems like now would be a great time for a snack. Seems like now would be a great time for a coffee for mommy. <laughs> you know, like really recognizing our needs, but the best way to teach that, the best way to do that, the best way to practice that is to meet your own needs too, and just feel connected to yourself and your needs and what you, what you need, because if your needs aren't being met, it's going to feel impossible to meet the needs of your children in that moment too. So everything that makes up our individual lives, you know, my homeschool, my business, my podcast, my courses, my goats, my fancy chickens, not everyone's list is going to look like fancy chickens or three kids or four kids, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going to look like that. But what this, where the similarity is, is in our mindset, meeting our needs, resting as much as we can, because you will be surprised at how much more productive you can be. And all the things that you quote unquote have to do in the day will happen so much easier. If you can really get to know yourself, meet your needs, put on your oxygen mask first in all of this and then turn to your kids too because you will be able to show up for them with a rested attitude um, and feeling more capable and confident if you are meeting your needs first and then help them meet their basic needs and then do everything else from there i love that and i love that if you view meeting your needs through the lens of meeting your kids needs right? Because I know for a lot of moms, it's re they really struggle with um, that mom guilt, feeling selfish. Um, if I can understand that my going for a walk or going out for coffee by myself or whatever the thing might be is going to help me love my kids more, be more present for them, um, it, wouldn't, it would be selfish if I just did those things and then ignored my kids, right? Like that would yeah, be Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, But if I can view it through the lens of I'm doing these things because I know that as I am filled up, um, I'm able to pour out to them. And so mm -hmm. um, that I think really helps dissipate that mom guilt and that selfish feeling of I can't. And so for me, one of the things on my list this year is I, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what we're going forward yeah. into. Um, I just know that for myself, I need to plan for some adventures. And I know that yes. sounds a bit crazy in this No, not at season, all. But, it's fantastic. Um, but what does that look like? And, you know, for me, adventures might look like going on a hike with a friend. Yeah. There's nothing I've prioritized in my life. It might look like doing some snowshoeing or things. I'm thinking of what could still be available to me should the world close down again. Um, but what are the things I need to seek out? And as I plan for those things, I'm going to come back a revived mom because I am... I'm meeting a need deep within me that actually has a need for fun and play and adventure and rest and conversation with friends. And I'm going to come home and then we're going to adventure as a family and I'm going to adventure yes. with my kids. Can I give you a book suggestion? Yeah. It's called Adventuring Together. 
by Greta Eskridge. It just released within the last month and it is brilliant. Greta was just on the show in episode 60 talking about the book and adventuring together. And she is a homeschool mom of of four, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but she has a lot of kids and she makes it happen and she breaks it down. And it, it's like something simple. And I think some of that guilt comes from, we feel like we should already know how to do that. Right. You know, yeah. it seems so simple. Like going on a hike, that seems so simple, right? Well, not in mother, modern motherhood. You know, we have all these other things swirling around in our head. And so I love that you talk about like justifying it. I am totally that person, like totally well, and, that person. And I want to say as well, I don't even know where to hike. Like I, oh. I, I'm not the classic um, hiking person. I, my husband and I are great with like, we can do board games. We can do backyard movie night. Like we know how to do some of these things. Well, we have realized we want to adventure more with our family. And so we're going to just start slow. And we've done a few things this summer where they were, uh, we took our kids up on this mountain nearby. It's called Grouse Mountain, yeah. uh, up a gondola. And then we, we rode this chairlift. This is in the summer. And I hadn't been on a chairlift in a while, but what I've gone on, it has not been with my three small children um, with these gaping holes. And so we're riding up the chairlift and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've done in my entire life. Oh my God, I know. I feel and you. So I'm, well, actually, true story, my, um, my husband and the two older went ahead of us because we had to break our group up. And I'm with my daughter who was three at the time. She is terrified. I'm like, trust me, just trust me. And as we go to load on, I'm moving my backpack to the side. She oh falls off. No. The now we, we haven't really left the ground, but I'm, I pick her up. She's looking at me like, mom, so I'm gripping onto her so tight. As we get higher and higher, I'm thinking, this is, this is the dumbest thing I've done in my entire life. So we get to the top and we have the option of riding the chairlift down or hiking back down on a pretty steep um, path because it's the ski path. And there's also a sign saying bear in the area. <laughs> the path is not advised. But my husband and I turned to each other and we're like, oh, we're taking the path for sure. Oh my God. And you know what? Sure. That night, as I lied in bed, even though this was crazy, I said to my husband, we need to do more stuff like that. Like we need more adventure in our lives. Maybe not necessarily up a, up a cheerlift, but we're with bears. <laughs> with bears. Um, but we need to actually, and I said to him, you know, we've done this. We've gone to this, this place, Gross Mountain a few times now, and we get, we've gotten to know the area. And so we're actually feeling a little more comfortable there. And so that's part of how it starts is saying, what could we just start with just a little bit here and there? Um, being able to, because there's something about a being outside so yes. good. And yes. I know everybody's weather is different, but um, I heard somebody say once, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. And so what does it look like to really bundle up well? Um, and what does it look like to plan adventures? Because those are things that are actually going to help us with hope and joy yeah. and all of those things in our heart as we go into the, the winter, whatever it looks like. We don't know what it's going to look like, but how do we begin to kind of plan for some of those things that are really going to help us thrive in this season? Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, please listen to episode 60 then of the podcast because Greta talks that there may be some bears and coyotes involved and there may be me. I, I'm just laughing because there was a cliff. There was a sign that said dangerous cliff. And I'm like, we should go there. Oh my gosh. It's just so funny. You'll get a chuckle out of that. Yeah. For sure. Tell me, so tell me, uh, what is the name of your podcast so everyone can hear that? Yeah, it's called Elevating Motherhood. Yeah, and um, all the episodes, and there's even the homeschool deep dive ones. I did 11 podcasts in the month of August. So there are 11 support pieces 
for people who are interested in learning tons more from all of these brilliant homeschool moms who are just so happy to share. And they're all working homeschool moms too. Right. You know, they all have businesses that they run, they're curriculum writers, they're course creators, they're authors. They have one child all the way up, I think, to six, no, eight children. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so many. So there's the whole gamut of of different voices and they all sort of have the same sort of messages and it does have to do more with our mommy heart than it does a color-coded calendar for sure. Love that. Okay, so where else can people find you aside from Oh, I'm on Instagram, it's my favorite. Um, I'm at Lori Beth Aldridge over on Instagram and then most of my content and the things that I love most is at elevatingmotherhood.com. I love it. Well, Lori, thank you for chatting with me. I look forward to one day meeting you in person in yes. Maui. Yes. Uh, Lord willing. And uh, thanks. So I hope that people can go check you out on Instagram. And I'm going to go do that because I want to see a picture of some fancy chickens. Because all this whole episode, I've been like, what does a fancy chicken look like? That's awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Lori. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.